Coming up, we're going to talk about the different loan types you can get when you're looking for a mortgage on this week's episode of the Moving to Orlando Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Coming to you from the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table this week by realtor Sean Falk. Hi. And Ruben Cologne. And not realtor, Corey Fiascanaro. Welcome. I am also, just for transparency, I am also a realtor. So as I've said before, the room's lousy with real estate agents. Um, So uh, just a reminder, if you're interested in moving to the Orlando area and want to talk to one of us, simply send an email, admin, A-D-M-I-N, at movingtoorlando.com. And we're going to play the drinking game this week. Every time I say movingtoorlando.com, you can take a shot. Um, You can also head to our website moving to orlando.com and our Facebook group creatively called moving to Orlando links to all that in the show notes right down below. So this week we are talking about the different loan types. Again, one of the questions we get asked about a lot because there are a few different ways to go about getting a mortgage. And this is something Sean has dealt with quite a bit. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to let him talk. Yep. I, uh, you got to bear with me. My notes are like, like I just, they're written all over the place. I was Okay. And I just want to point out, I want to point out millennial, no technology expertise whatsoever. Yeah. He can operate his computer and his phone, but he's not. And then I have to write everything. Now. Everything. Like, this, I, I have to write. So everything's written. Yeah. No, I literally was like trying to do it and I'm flipping back and forth. And I was trying to watch big brother and all this stuff. So like a whole, a lot was happening. Um, anyway, so there may, there's four major types of loans that we'll talk about. We'll talk about conventional FHA, USDA, and then we'll finish up with VA. Cause that's more niche and it's longer. And we'll also have fiasco way into, cause he got a VA loan uh, for his, So if you're in the military, stick around till the end because that applies to you. So conventional is the cream of the crop. That's really what you want because of the ease of it. It's what I want because of the ease. The sellers want it. The lender likes it. Everyone likes conventional loans. They're the toughest to get out of the four. And that's pretty much the standard. The majority of people have conventional loans. So if you're established, if you've had a career for a while, if you've already owned homes and your credit's good, all this stuff, you're probably going to get approved for a conventional loan in some form or fashion. Um, With a conventional loan, you can put down as little as 3% onto the house uh, as your down payment. But that depends on what the lender will allow you to do based on your credit score and everything like that. So for 3% down, you got to have pretty, got some really good credit for them to do that. And uh, it's ideal. It's the most widely accepted loan that there is. Um, There are restrictions sometimes. And sometimes the actual seller will restrict what types of loans they'll take, the bank. So like bank-owned properties, if you're wanting a foreclosure, short sale, bank-owned, most of those are going to be cash. And then secondary, sometimes they'll allow conventional. But the other ones, they're like, no, we don't want that. And as an individual, you can also say, if you're selling, I only want these loan types. I will take everything except the VA. I won't work with them or whatever you want to do. Um, So in that way, it holds weight in your negotiation. So if you have one person who, you know, if I'm offering... 300,000 for a house with a conventional loan and Fiasco is offering 310,000 with a VA loan. 
you might want to go with the conventional loan, even though you're making ten thousand less dollars, because the VA can be tricky to work with. Same with VA, uh, the FHA, and same with USDA. Well, just just for point of reference, the, the VA does limit where you can buy a home. Yeah. I mean, there are restrictions yeah. on what they will pay for yeah. uh, without not present necessarily. With a conventional loan. Mm-hmm. And one of the big things that's a positive with a conventional loan, too, is that people can gift you money with a conventional loan, whereas they can't do that with other types. So when somebody, say your parents want to get involved or your kids want to get involved or you've got an inheritance and you want to take that money and you want to put it down on the house, you can't necessarily do that with other types. You can't accept outside money to pay for your home because when, if, I'm the lender and I go through your bank statements, which they will say we want the last how many ever months worth of bank statements they'll ask you for. And they see suddenly there's a deposit in there for $60,000 and grandma's dead. She left you 60 grand. Like that's the thing. And this is out of the ordinary and it's a big red flag to them. And they're going to say, where did this $60,000 come from? Why is this not a part of like the documentation we have? Did this come from your job? Did this come from whatever? And you would have to say, it's a gift from somebody and you can't really sneakily get that in there and say like, Oh, my parents funded me this money because your lender might say, Oh, well, like, why did they have to fund you money? Does that mean you don't have enough money? Does that mean, you know, they are going to weigh that out heavily. So be cautious when you decide, Hey, my parents are going to give me some money to put towards a house or whoever, because you might not be able to do that. But with a conventional, you can. So it's not restricted from you doing it. That's another good positive on that. Um, And also with conventional, you can buy pretty much anywhere. There's not really restrictions there on where you want to buy. And I think it's also important to point out with conventional loans, unlike the other types we're going to talk about, these are not guaranteed loans, right? They're not guaranteed by the federal government. Um, And and so that's, uh, that's a factor. That's why the other loans are, you know, for uh, either the USDA, the FHA for first time home buyers, those loans are guaranteed. Wait, which ones? The F, like FHA, USDA. Yeah, conventional those, loans are guaranteed as well uh, through your lender because they're through your lender. By no, Fannie I'm saying, Mae, Freddie Mac. Yeah. Right, but they're not guaranteed. Like the, the 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 lender doesn't have a guarantee that if you default, the government's going to cover part of that part or all of that. Yeah, as yeah, I've, I've, most of the time, most homes are are backed by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, and to some degree, specifically Fannie Mae, with the government. So they usually can have recourse, but they don't always. So yeah, I mean, there is that there there is the possibility where it might not, but most of the time they do have some kind of backing where the lender, and that really promotes the lender, especially after the two thousand eight bubble bursting in that recession. Um, You know, more lenders are happier now to lend out money again because the government is saying, well, we'll back you up. But also because there's these other options like FHA. Yeah, but the government government made the lenders whole. The lenders put these people out of their homes, you know? So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, So the, uh, then another type is um, FHA. And 
That's something that's really come around a lot recently. Um, it's really good for first-time home buyers. Um, oh, one thing I did want to say about conventional is if you do pay less than twenty percent, you do need PMI. Um, so that's going to be your a, a mortgage insurance that you're getting. And if I'm the bank and I lend you the money, I want to make sure there's equity in that home because if you do default and you don't pay for it, I want to make sure I made some money on the fact that I lended out. <laughs> $300,000 to you during that time period. And if you only put 10% down, you need to pay a little bit of extra money to the to um, your lender up until you get to 20% in equity in right. the home. And once you get to 20%, that ends. Like the PMI is over and you just go to a normal monthly payment. So that's a temporary thing. And if you can pay 20%, you really, really, really should. But if you can't, that's fine. And that percentage can get pretty, pretty high, just depending on how you go for PMI. Um, FHA, it's really good for first time home buyers. Um, you actually can have a minimum of three and a half percent as your down payment. It's really hard to get that, but you can do it. Um, and this one is, it does have, it's not PMI, but it's very, very similar to PMI. Um, it, it has a different name and I, didn't write it for whatever reason. No, it's MIP, but I don't know what it stands for. I can't it's remember. MIP. It's MIP. I yeah, I for some. Well, yeah, for whatever. Insurance something. Yeah, I can't. Something in my brain is not processing it, but I don't know why I didn't write it. I did for USDA, but um, so anyway, uh, that is going to be one percent or around one percent per year, which is definitely the, the highest of the different yeah. loan types. So that's one percent on the whole thing. So if the house was three hundred thousand dollars, you need to pay three thousand dollars per year. So divide that up throughout the year, and that's how much per month that you need to spend on. We'll say PMI insurance because I can't think of the name. So that's what you're going to have to pay every month. Once you hit the 20% cap, that does not end. So you have to pay that forever. So until the home is paid off, it doesn't matter that you get 20% equity in it. If you're doing FHA, you are paying that PMI until the life of the loan is over. If you want to refinance once you get more established and maybe switch to a conventional loan for 15 years or something, you can do that. But as long as you're under FHA, you're paying that PMI every single year for the life of the loan. And there's also, a, depending on what area you're looking to purchase in, there's a cap on how much you can spend there on is. an FHA loan. I believe in this area, it's about three hundred twenty thousand. Um, it a lot of it depends on. Um, I think I have that written actually. It's three hundred thirty thousand. Yeah. I was close. So three hundred thirty thousand. A lot of it is going to depend on your household income. So there are some limitations on that. It's a pretty high limit. It's like I think it's about ninety grand. I believe as as a total household <laughs> income. So I mean that's definitely a good amount of money. I mean, most people don't make 90,000 in a year, but there are some that go in that realm. And then at that point you're kind of restricted on what you can do. Um, you so can, if you make more than that, you're you not eligible qualify, for an yeah, FHA. Okay. Correct. Um, so you can do this with a loan with a credit score as low as 580. Um, that's the low end of a traditional, but um, uh, you can, with this one, you can also have gifts from family be added in as well. It can't be as much and it restricts things, especially because you're doing FHA. It's already a, not a red flag, but it's already a concern to some sellers because they're like, Hey, why didn't you qualify for a conventional? Like what's going on in your finances? Um, you can technically get 
approved for an FHA as low as 500 as your credit score. But from 500 to 579, you have to be prepared to put 10% down in cash. So you're not going to be able to just pop up with three and a half percent or anything. And that's with you having a, uh, a good support system of saying you have a good job and everything behind it. Also with FHA, you could buy a multifamily unit and rent out the other units of the, the thing to be a gener- an income generating property. But you do need to make this your primary residence. So you can't buy a secondary home as an FHA loan. So right. you- the whole point of the FHA loans was to encourage mm-hmm. home ownership, to move people from renting to, to buying. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why some of these, some of these restrictions exist. Yeah. And also FHA has a little bit stricter guidelines on the inspections. Um, they do require, uh, a more thorough inspection. And essentially with that, with conventional, you can look at the inspection and say, Hey, oh my God, the roof is falling in. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Or like the whole thing's falling apart. As long as you're cool with it. No one really cares too much. Like as you're saying that you're good with that. With FHA, they want to see it and they're going to say nope. Or like they might say, no, we don't want that. Or the seller has to fix A, B, and C in order for us to still approve you. It's another reason sellers kind of get like eh, on FHA by comparison to conventional because, you know, they might come up and say, hey, you need to, uh, you need to do this. Um also, you can have a really high debt to income ratio to get FHA. You can it can be as high as forty three percent for your debt to income, uh, and you still can get approved for an FHA. Which a forty three percent debt to income is pretty high for getting a home loan. And for conventional, it's usually well about thirty six, thirty six, thirty five. That's about the cap. Yeah, thirty five, thirty six. So um, you do have a good bit of extra leadway with that. Uh, the third type is USDA. So with a USDA loan, that is, um, it's back, it's stand for like United States Department of Agriculture loan. So the Department of Agriculture is backing that loan for the most part. And, or sometimes it's them backing the lender, backing you. And they are encouraging people to buy rural land. And it's funny because actually about 90% of the United States qualifies as USDA loan because most places are not New York City or Chicago or whatever. It's all rural. Here, if you want to live rurally, um, you need to live on Highway 27. So if you're going to live in Claremont, if you're going to live in Davenport, Haines City, uh, some uh, going like Auburndale going towards Lake, But even St. Cloud too, right? St. Cloud, there is a cutoff that goes west there. But also Reunion Resort is in rural land. Celebration is in rural land. Really? So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's all those farms considered rural. All those those cows in Celebration. That's still considered rural right now. So it's not a city. So there is like cutoffs and sometimes it gets weird. Like, oh, why is that there? Why is this there? Um, But it also requires no down payment. So you can get by with getting a USDA loan and putting no money down. Um, Not It's hard to get, but you can. And they have what's called a guarantee fee. And that is like their PMI for the other. So, but the guarantee fee, as it is with the FHA, you have to pay that forever. You cannot get out of paying the guarantee fee. You got to pay it every month. So you're automatically going to add an extra couple hundred bucks onto your monthly payment to pay 
the lender or to pay whoever it is that you're that you're going to pay. I actually wrote down. I got Davenport, Haines City, Oakland, the southern half of Claremont, Kissimmee in the Four Corners area, and uh, reunion celebration as well. That blows my mind. St. Cloud. Yeah. It's not about like how expensive the area is or affluent or anything. It's just about where its location geographically is. Oh, and anecdotally, moving to Orlando.com. Take a shot. (laughs) Go ahead. Um, Let's see. Uh, There is no loan limit, but must. Okay. There's not a limit on how much you could spend and how much you could buy a house for. So you could technically buy in some more expensive areas, but you do have to make, uh, you have to be below a certain salary for that as well. So again, that's going to be around that $90,000 mark. So it kind of does limit where you can buy a house because you're not going to get approved for a multi-million dollar home in your celebration if your income is ninety thousand dollars you may not be able to get a six million dollar house so there that is kind of their limitation there um you can get a so there's two different types of usda loans there's usda direct and there's usda guarantee usda direct loans are usually for more lower income um they and it's backed directly by the usda and the usda is who you would contact and work with they are your lender and they're just trying to help people who have you know not a lot of income or not a lot of resources really bad credit whatever the situation is be able to get into something and the the pricing limit for that is low you have to make less than like 30 grand a year or something like household wide like it's got to be it's got to be much lower and then a usda guaranteed loan is one that you still get through your lender but it's backed by the usda and that starts at like 640 as your credit score you need around 640 to get going there um and then you can actually have had a bankruptcy you can do chapter seven bankruptcy within three years like if you've previously had it and then chapter 13 um you have to be at least one year past having filed for chapter 13 bankruptcy so you can usda is pretty workable just depending now i thought the the purpose of the usda loans was obviously it's the department of department of agriculture so um i always thought the purpose of those loans were like to encourage like agriculture farming Mm -hmm. things like that it is it is to a degree i mean there is a lot of that uh, but a lot of it is also just to help people who were looking to move out to the suburbs or out to rural country to be able to build that up get economies going out in these other areas so everyone i mean that's the thing is like if no one can uh purchase anything in the city you need to go outside the city a little bit but like, why would you go outside the city if there's no restaurants, if there's no work, if there's no anything? So it also encourages businesses like, hey, maybe we should build an Amazon warehouse or maybe we should build, um, you know, our manufacturing company <coughs> because now we can build it and people will buy because contractors will build homes because people can get USDA loans. And there's a reason to now move to these places. So that's kind of where it happens more in you know, middle America, Kansas, Nebraska, that kind of stuff here. There's still a lot of places you can drive and go. You're just a little limited on where you can buy with a USDA loan, but yeah, still good options though. I mean, you can 
go to most places we sell it. <laughs> so, um, and then the final type is going to be VA loans. These are for people that have been in the military or are still in the military or the spouse or the widow or widower or whatever you want to go with of military people, just depending on, um, you know, where they're at in the military process and their service. So these also have a hundred percent loan to value ratio. So you don't have to technically put any money down, but you can, um, the, they do have a PMI. It is called the VA funding fee and it is actually paid up front. You can roll that into your mortgage if you want to, but you do have to pay that up front. And then that's just pretty much done. And it's only for veterans and, they kind of have a weird way of going about condos, especially like we <laughs> don't like that. Oh, so they, uh, you, yeah, the condo has to be approved. And it's got to be like the community itself has to be approved with the VA. It's a long process by comparison. If it's not been already previously approved and um, single family homes, it's a little easier as long as it's properly designated as we've run into in the past. Sometimes they're not. And it's just with these loans, that's why we say, Hey, you know what? Just cause you're doing VA, you found a house, you love it. That doesn't mean that seller's going to let you do this. They may not work with you because the VA is very tough on what they will pay for. They want certain things done. I know when we were doing Fiasco's house, they wanted, um, you know, the VA really wanted a termite inspection because there was a little <laughs> bit of something that really wasn't, I mean, it was nothing. Like we knew it was nothing, but they were like, no termite inspection. Like you must have this, you must have that. <coughs> and it all has to clear and it all has to line up because they are not going to invest in that without it. And these also can only be a primary residence for a VA loan. And you also have to show the VA and explain to them why you're moving to somewhere. So if you're in Texas and you're like, I just really want to move to Central Florida and I, I just want to move just because the VA might not like that reasoning. And so they may say, nope, like that's not a good enough reason that you want to move there. And especially if you have a business and you're going to run your business back in Texas, but you're going to move to Florida they're going to question you and be like, so why, why, like, why do we need to help you move somewhere? So I can get into that a little bit too. Mm -hmm. So for the VA loan, there's actually a variety of different VA loans. Mm -hmm. uh, the one that I use specifically and the one that relates most closely to most people who are interested in it is the VA primary home loan. Uh, Something that most people don't know is you can actually have multiple VA loans running at once, mm -hmm. but the really good deal one, the one that's like, sounds almost too good to be true, but it actually is. That's the primary home loan. That's saying, if you're a veteran who falls under these, this criteria, we're going to let you get a home at the, these with these incredible interest rates and no down payment, no PMI, if it's your primary residence. Uh, you could also get a VA loan for a business, though. You could get one for a rental home, mm -hmm. but it has different criteria. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, the uh, the... VA lender fee, it was like, it was like nothing though. Like I didn't even notice yeah, it when I was looking at what it would cost me to do like an FHA loan or something like that instead. Um, and what the PMI would, would be if I didn't do 20%, it was a huge difference. Like my lender fee was like 1800 bucks, but so I do have all the, all the, um, specifications of what you need to meet the criteria to get a VA loan. So if you served 90 consecutive days on active duty during wartime. So what that would equate to is if you were in the reserves 
during wartime and you applied to be on a deployment or any any stint three months or more, you qualify, or if you joined active duty and then got separated with something like a medical discharge, that would also qualify you. Uh, 181 days consecutive active duty during peacetime. So same thing, but a little bit longer if it's during peacetime. And if you're wondering right now, we're still technically uh, in wartime as far as enlisting is concerned. Six years for reservists and National Guard. So that's going to be, if you're a reservist or a National Guard, it's going to be one and a half regular contract periods. So regular contract period for most things. It can range anywhere between two, three, four, five, even eight years for one contract. Generally, it's four for most people. So if you're a reservist, it would be one and a half full regular contract times. Or you're the spouse of a, or you're the surviving spouse of somebody who passed away while on active duty or due to their service-related disabilities. Now, if you're any of those um, specifications that relate directly to active duty, you already know that you have an e-benefits account and you know all about e-benefits, but you're going to need to apply for your certificate of eligibility through the ebenefits.gov portal. Uh, When I did that, I did it while I was still in active duty and it took me three months to receive it. But that is something you can do while you're in active duty. And as you're separating uh, through active duty nowadays, they require all service members to go through a TAPS class, which is a transitional class to help you transition back into the civilian world. Because a lot of military people um, before this were having a lot of trouble with their transition. It was I can imagine. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was systemic. Uh, so now this class is required. But if you separated in like 2001, this wasn't a thing. That's not... They, not everybody did that. Um, so you would have to actually go ahead, make an account on ebenefits.com. It's all linked up to your exact military records. So like when you sign up with your social security number, date of birth, it has all your records from your, your if you want a ship, if you want to command, your medical history is there, everything's there. Uh, if you have service-connected disabilities, everything's there. But you also file for all your, um, your VA benefits on there, including your VA home loans. If you're a surviving spouse of somebody from active duty, uh, you're not going to have any benefits account. You're going to have, and you're not going to have service records either. So you're going to have to contact your district VA office specifically and say, "Hi, I'm the surviving spouse of a military member, and I'd like to use a VA loan because your records aren't going to be saved like mine or anybody else who served would be online." So definitely check into that. Um, and yeah, the. VA primary home loan is, it really is just as good as it sounds. I just used it. There are some caveats, like Sean mentioned, of course. Uh, we ran into them plenty of times. If yeah. especially So w- with condos and stuff like that, the VA has their own approved list of condos. And if your home is not on that list, you can't move in there unless you go through the appeal, appeals process to get it put on there. Um, this isn't necessarily always a bad thing. Like, for example, when we were going through my process, there was uh, an issue with the HOA where it said that there is a board of directors in this HOA. And if you would like to sell your home, you need to ask us first. Um, And basically, the VA, when they see things like that, they're going to say, yep, we don't you're not buying this house. Uh, So you would need to go ahead, get an amendment, get it appealed and say that there will be exceptions for a certain certain home buyer that these, these which, restrictions won't apply to. Which you. is what happened to you. You were buying a single family house and yep. we thought everything was normal, mm-hmm. but it turned out it was zoned as a land condo. 
Super rare, but it exists. Yeah, which no one had ever heard of. And as a result, it just drew to the, it, to the, it drew the process to a halt to the point where you started looking at other homes yeah. because yeah. it was, you know, everything we were being told was this isn't going to happen. Yep. Because like the home homeowners association was going to have to change like the bylaws, the bylaws, and, and have to like readjust you know the the, the rotation of the earth, yeah. um, and and like everybody in the community was going to have to sign off on changing the bylaws. To, but like, this whole thing. I'm to like, his credit, to his credit, fiasco annoyed the living crap out of every everybody. human being in a twenty mile radius, yeah. and got it done. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, that's yeah. that is what happened, and um, so I mean. And like I mentioned, like that's for the primary home loan and there's other VA loans that you can get that are less strict, but they don't have all those great incentives with it with the no down payment. And usually if you go with another loan and you don't put a down payment and you have you have things that happen, like you get the PMI and stuff like that, the interest rate might might go up. And with the VA loan, the primary home VA loan, none of that happens. You just have that um, that lender fee, which really... I didn't even notice it at all. Um, based on our negotiations with the house that I did get, I actually walked into this house with no money out of my pocket besides a chunk of my good earnest escrow money. It's, it's really that good. Yeah, it seems like there's like a, a lot of like pros and cons and it's about like deciding if you're okay with like get, getting through that process because uh, with, with the low PMI and the fact that you don't really need a down uh, a down payment on uh, buying a home is great, but it's just like, do you want to go through that long process of kind of like dealing with uh, that process to where you can't uh, get certain homes you want or you have to deal with all those restrictions? So it's like, mm. do you are you are you willing to go through that process? And if you are, then fine, just take your time and then you can go and get that that no down payment and that uh, that low PMI. Well, for some people, I mean, like for my my own brother, for example, he's trying to buy a house and he can get approved for more money if he'll go with an FHA loan. But if he wants conventional, it's gonna he's not going to get as much money guaranteed to him as far as the pre-approval process goes. And that's just kind of where we're at. In the long run, it's going to cost him more doing the FHA because he can never get out of the PMI situation. But if he really wants a house in that price range, that's the only option. Like that's what he's going to have to do because that's what they approved him for. So that that sometimes you don't have a choice in what you're doing, but just to keep it in mind, maybe, you know, maybe you could, maybe that would be enough to push somebody to co-sign with you and be a co-borrower on the thing. Maybe a parent at that point would be like, Hey, you know what? Rather than you have, a USDA loan or an FHA loan that you got to pay PMI on forever, possibly 30 years. If you just are paying minimums, I'll co-sign with you and then we'll get it under conventional and then we'll get you up to the 20%. Maybe they'll pull themselves off of it at that point. Cause then the equity is already in it. So there's, there's options there. Right. And it could come down to like just a deposit thing. Like it could come down, Hey, listen, I don't have the money for that deposit conventional and FHA. I believe you actually have, you have to have that down to, Cut up something, yeah. So, like, that's that's one of the huge benefits of the VA loan. Like, if you can get it and you can deal with all those restrictions, you don't have to have that. Uh, I mean, uh, like you said, like you don't have to have that much money to put down to get into uh, your place. And your so. interest rate of the VA loan was what was it? It was like it was three point two five. Three point two on a thirty on a thirty May. year loan. Yeah. So yeah, which is really good for killer. someone that's never bought a house before, and like you know, no down payment and a three point two five percent interest rate. But you know, and I've said it many, many times on the show and off the show. For people who've served in the military, we can't do enough 
for yeah. them. No, we, it's, it's absolutely the way it should be. It's that's exactly the way it should be. I, I, I do want to also point out if if you USDA loans if that piqued your interest because maybe something in that will work for you and that's what you're looking into. Um, you there is a map online. Um, it is with the USDA and it has our entire mapped area of Central Florida. Everything in red is like. No, those are the no, no zones, I guess. I don't know what you call it. But, uh, and then like everything not in red is areas that you can buy a house and they'll put on there. Hey, these are the USDA's, uh, zoned areas. And we'll have a link to that and everything else in our show notes right below this video. But that I think, unless there's something else. Okay. I think that's going to do it for this show. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with you again next Wednesday with another episode of moving to Orlando. Have a great week, folks.